0: ba Here we go, episode fifty-one of Mad About Hoops. We are recording on an October day, October twenty-eighth, two thousand twenty-one, late in the afternoon. And we've recorded a wonderful segment with the legendary voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Paul Keels. So this one is going to be more for our local crowd or anyone across the world who loves Ohio State basketball. Why wouldn't you? It's a famous program, top 20 team. You got some of the best football, men's basketball combo action that there is in the whole entire country here. And we are ready to rock and roll. Exhibition game is on Monday, I'm Timmy Hall, your college basketball-loving friend. Evil, bald Colin, wearing the Carhartt beanie, even in the <laughs> warmth of our studio here. How you doing, man? You Damn, excited? It's
1: good to be back. We might get in a little bit of uh, Big Ten to stuff, too, because breaking news, the Big Ten might be the best league in the country again. It's probably going to battle with the SEC. Uh, Big 12 might ha- have two or three teams that are top-notch, but no, this Big Ten's going to be awesome. The season's going to be awesome. We have the Champions Classic, uh, just under a week and a half away. Yeah. My math might be wrong there, yeah. but yeah, Tuesday,
0: no. November 9th. 9th. Yes. Yeah, well, we're just looking. You've got, it seems like Kansas is in a contract <laughs> that to do that every year. Seems like all those teams. I, it probably is a contract. Something we might look into ahead of our national preview episode next week. You'll get Kansas and Michigan State in the first one, Duke, Kentucky, in the second Yeah, one. that's gonna it's be really boys.
1: interesting. So Kansas is obviously the headliner in that matchup. Uh, you got Remy Martin, a transfer from Arizona State, is the preseason uh, player of the year in the Big 12. Uh, Michigan State's about in that middle of the pack. They're are, they're probably gonna at least if you look at national perspective, they're seen as about anywhere from five to seven in the Big Ten, battling with the likes of like a Maryland and a. And uh, Indiana, but no, that's going to be a great game. And obviously for our sake, we get to scout two teams that we'll play in the second matchup with Kentucky and Duke.
0: All right. Well, I, I am dying to hear some of your thoughts on the off season for Ohio state, who we lost, who we got coming in, where this team fits in the big 10 Purdue, just sort of right under everyone's radar is just returning an outstanding team, and they seem to be the creme de la creme. But the Buckeyes have this squad put together that, from my eye, looks like they can grow and get better as the season progresses. And I think with a lot of teams, it's going to be about culture and togetherness because depth will be a plenty for many of these programs where Chris Holtman says old wins in college basketball. Super seniors, man, and the Buckeyes have some of these. They've got transfers. They've got guys that are sticking around like a Kyle Young. We'll break it all down. Let's hit our thing. It's episode 51 of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's go.
2: Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he, makes it! It! he hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh, it. Oh! Oh!
0: Oh! Set it in, Jerome! Ha oh. <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. Yeah, It is. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin, Colin Behringer, who is wearing so many hats right now. You wouldn't believe what <laughs> this guy does. It's it's incredible. How's everything else going? I can't wait to get Paul Keels, get to our segment that we recorded with him. And I think every, every Buckeye basketball fan, even just basketball fan of different ages, will enjoy the chat because we span sort of 20 years. We do he'll he'll do some storytelling. I, I know something took him to the Schooney Penn Michael Red teams at Ohio State. We talk about sort of the history of their involvement in these holiday tournaments, which we'll do a whole episode on. We we love those so much. But few weeks away, man. You get to work in the booth now. So, guys, Colin does the engineering. He is the radio booth engineer for Ohio State football, which is you wouldn't believe it if I told you. How many boxes of equipment are it's used? It's about to,
1: eight to nine, depending on it, on the weekend.
0: It's it's absurd. Like, you'd think we've got these things called Comrexes. That's a brand. It's a little box that does remote radio broadcasts, and they're really slick. You can do some really good stuff with that. I think all of the men's and women's basketball broadcasts are mostly done in a very professional manner with those. You got 800 pounds of equipment that has to go to the shoe and then on the road. And you're traveling. You're, you're at every single place. So you're going to be, like, doing the taste of the town. You can take over for, why am I is blanking? Tom Blackledge. Yeah, yeah. Todd Blackledge is blanking on his name. You could take over for him or come up with some better idea hey, than that.
1: W- when we go to Nebraska in a couple of weeks, I'd love to do that, man. Some of the food they yeah. get out there. I- I've been to Omaha and Lincoln before. It's a great cuisine out there.
0: Or maybe you could do, like, some of Anthony Rothman's, as Bobby Carpenter would like to say, some of the dark corners of all the Big Ten Towns. <laughs> Something along uh, those lines.
1: It was dark all weekend in Bloomington, so you have right. to be more specific on that.
0: And that's a town he, Anthony Rothman knows very, very well. That's he can tell you everywhere to go in B-Town, where to stay safe or where to be not By the safe. way,
1: the, uh, so Assembly Hall is right next to Memorial Stadium, and I'm telling you why. I was actually impressed. You've been there, right? I've never been inside Assembly. I've never. That was my first time to Bloomington.
0: Yeah, the the walk up is legit, isn't it? Where you see the lettering for Indiana? It's humongous. Yeah. Like
1: you're the previous road trip we did is we went to Rutgers and you're seeing the rack compared to that place. (laughs) It's not even comparable.
0: I thought the rack was honestly a student center when I saw it. Like that's how small it is. So I'm wondering though, how much does this pain you that you're doing this for football? But at heart, you love the basketball venues, and I know, I know those are the <laughs> gyms. Uh, yeah. You, if you could, if you could have your way, see every football stadium in the Big Ten, or see every basketball venue in the Big Ten, I know you're choosing the latter. I
1: mean, I've I've had a bucket list to to go to every single one, basketball and football. So I'm already checking off a lot of boxes on the football side of things. But you're talking about Minnesota. I could have gone and visited the barn. Like that would have been awesome. Uh, the rack it's still a cool little environment over at Rutgers. And then we're talking about Assembly Hall, like one of the great places in yeah. college basketball. Have you
0: been to the Breslin yet, just as a, as a fan? I have
1: not. No, I've never been or to Chrysler? Michigan State, period. So I've never been to East Lansing. So yeah. that's also on the bucket list. Or, or Ann Arbor? Uh, I've I've seen Chrysler. It's right next to the stadium up there. and yeah. I've been to football games up there many a times.
0: Well, now that we're talking arenas, we've got the shot, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> so when when yeah. we can when we can jam pack that thing for some of the bigger Big Ten games, it becomes fun and it becomes. Oh, and, a problem and it can be one teams. of the louder
1: yeah. places in the league when you actually get it to that. But the problem is, is actually getting it to that level of attendance that really makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, we're gonna see if this is just sort of blowing smoke. But the Nut House, the student section, mm-hmm. there was a report out in the news a week or two ago that it had already sold out for the twenty one twenty two season. Now maybe we get in there and we find out they should increase the number of tickets available for that section, make it bigger should. because there might be some empty seats beyond that, or they might have like a, a part that's, that's taped off to bubble them from the rest of the, from the, the, rest of the uh, population in it's the arena really, I
1: mean, especially with having over 50,000 students and the, uh, the small selection of seats that they get, it's not terribly hard to do. I think it's more of the pace or how fast that they sold it out that's the impressive part of it.
0: All right, so Buckeyes are ranked 17th in the first AP poll. What's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Do you think they are right where they deserve to be? Give me your full assessment.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's completely acceptable. I think there's some teams that might be over ranked in certain different areas of the in the 25, and we can do that in our national outlook next week. But in terms of this Ohio State team, I think that's perfectly fine for them. They're a team with experience that can show that they will be one of those top 25 teams just based off of their experience and their skill level as a whole. But there's still pieces that we need to see. We're going to talk about guys like Cedric Russell. Uh, you got to talk about Joey Brunk. What is he going to bring to the court? Because this is one thing we can talk about with that secret scrimmage is that they didn't have Kyle Young against Ole Miss. How is he going to be able to hold up as a guy that's been dealing with injuries for the past couple of years with uh, the end of his Butler career and then the couple of years he was in Indiana? Like, How is he going to provide that low post presence for this team when Young is not able to play? Because you— Unfortunately, you have to expect that's going to happen. So, yes, I think anywhere from that 15 to 17 range is where I was thinking they were going to go. They're right by teams like Arkansas and UNC, and quite honestly, that's a pretty good accomplishment.
0: Yeah, and I also, you will look ahead, and naturally you'll see some of the freshman-laden teams, like a team mm-hmm. you're going to see, Duke, right? Paulo Bancaro could easily, and I know yeah. everybody talked about He's Chet st- Holmgren. I mean, come on, yeah.
1: Bancaro could be the best player in the nation. This yeah,
0: year. I mean, and again, it's, it's a sport that, on one hand, you can say is run by freshmen, but we've seen a lot of examples here in recent years. Duke is one of the teams. I mean, North Carolina is one of the teams. This has happened to Kentucky. You cannot think that it's just going to automatically work every year. Some of these guys don't gel. Their heads are somewhere else, right? Or some of them have made some mistakes. Either they made the mistakes or some airhead douchebag coaches, (laughs) right? Have screwed them in certain situations. We've seen that with the scandal and they become ineligible or you have a James Wiseman situation at Memphis. It happens. I think of the first example, I like where Ohio state is coming from when we lay all that out, right?
1: I I completely agree. I think the first half of that statement, I talk about, you know, having a freshman laden team or these, these five-star freshmen come in It's not always a foolproof answer anymore. We just saw that with this Kentucky team last year. They had a lot of that, and it just didn't really gel a whole
0: lot. It's the the double-edged sword. It's the classic double-edged sword. You can win a national championship if they all come together, and maybe you have that one or two other veteran guys. I think we've seen that with most of the freshman-laden teams that have won national titles. Or it can just blow up in your face, and you aren't even an NCAA tournament
1: team. The upperclassmen Michigan State team beat Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Like, a, right. Just examples yep. like that have shown that while you will have the shiny, flashy new toy in those freshmen, those senior-laden teams t- typically make it to the end.
0: Wisconsin knocked off Kentucky and yes. kept them from going undefeated when everybody thought that was finally going to be the team that actually did it. <laughs> and You're Gonzaga, two- of course. Yes. I, t- I told you. You know, I just want to put that to bed. I told you Gonzaga was not going to win the national championship. They made it to the national championship. It was they, right they laid, on the break. They brink. laid an egg. I mean, they, they got their asses kicked. they just laid so they, an egg. they didn't just not win the national championship. They lost it hard. Baylor just, I mean, sucker punched them all night long. Now, it was if early. I forg- if Man. I forget,
1: those two teams were
0: supposed to play in the regular season. Was that correct? I think yeah. at some point, and that yeah. game
1: never happened. Taylor yeah. had that COVID situation pop up and they had to cancel that game. So we really honestly who would have known if they had to play that game and it played a rematch in the championship championship game if that could have changed anything. Obviously that doesn't matter now, but it just it goes to show man that this sport you can't always believe that the trends are going to continue. There's just so much craziness that happens.
0: Might be might be a uh an incorrect puffing of the chest out by me. I might have been saying, no way do they make the final four. That might have been my big hot take. I'd have to go and check the tape on one of last year's pods. But just to point out, the undefeated thing did not happen. Even in the last game, it's just very hard to see that go. And back to what I was saying about how Wisconsin stopped them, that was a... That was a veteran team, right? You had Frank, the tank Kaminsky, Sam, was Decker. Sam Decker, the freshman that year. So they had like one, I don't know if he one was a freshman. new toy or a sophomore. Cause I, th- I don't even think he, I think he might've been uh, two and done. Did at they Wisconsin. brought some
1: Koenig maybe.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Didn't he knock off Xavier with a corner three. That's right. Right. That's right. At the, at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, tell me what else, when you look at this Ohio state roster You mentioned a a bunch of their players that are coming in. EJ Liddell, we agree. We don't need to talk about him all that much as far as being the best player. I guess the question would be is how good do you think EJ Liddell is going to be? Not just best player on the team. He's a preseason All-Big Ten guy. Could we possibly go north of that? He's, of course, on the watch list for, what's it, the Carl Malone Award for Mm -hmm. his position. That's right. But could we be getting to a spot where... You can see this guy as a first-team oh, All-American. Yeah, he's
1: definitely on the All-American watch. Good, like good. You have to, especially with, the way, with he, you. The, the, the way he's developing his outside game. I mean, he's just such a dual threat that it's so – and we saw that in games like the game on the road at Illinois where he can really devastate you if you don't have a big that can stretch the floor with him because he's – while he's shorter in the post, he can still handle his own like he's, yeah. he's got three or four more inches on him. Uh, yeah, no, just the way – how versatile his game is. He's got the ability – to get to that level 100%. But in terms of the question with, with this roster, I think the easiest question we have, or the, the most obvious glaring one, is the two, the n- number two position. What is going to be your wings looking like? And I, I know Justice Ewing can kind of stretch out there, but he's more of like a three, a small forward type guy. What is your number two going to look like when you're losing a guy like Washington to the pros? You're dealing with two point guards in the mix of Jamari Wheeler and... Uh, Michi Johnson, they can kind of float to that too. But who's going to really show out and prove that they're going to be that number two you can count on all you, year long? You know. You I know. I know who it's going to be. And yeah, I know you know. Who I
0: want to predict who it's going to be, but we got we still got to see it. We got to see it, but there there's your chance, though. We, we talk about Ohio State being the team that's got more seniors and Chris Holtman being the old wins and college basketball guy. But if you've got that kind of team and then you can mix in one guy, Like Malachi Branham. That's the dude. St. Vincent, St. Mary. Cedric Russell, too. Cedric Russell is another one. I think you've got options right there. Malachi Branham, I don't know if you agree with me. I think he starts. I think it's Jamari Wheeler, Malachi Branham in the backcourt. And then... Are you saying, like, start right away? Starting, yeah, game one. Maybe it's not in the exhibition game. Although that... It's always telling. And I had Chris Holtman on the Buckeye show today. And he was kind of laughing about the starting lineup issue. And I asked him to just send it to me whenever he's got that. And he's like, well, there's – when I know, you'll know. Because they're, they're still that's, tooling with some things. A great tease. I just have a feeling in the pit of my stomach, though, that Justin Arns could be that guy.
1: I See, that's what I was just about to say. I think Arns will start the season in that role. And he, we saw it a lot last year, especially when they were dealing with some shortcomings on uh, the depth of the roster in that backcourt. You saw a lot more of Justin Arns starting those games. I think maybe early in the season we see that because he wants that veteran presence, but then who's to say if he changes that throughout the year? But, yeah, I don't know if I can say game one. I expect Malachi to be that, but maybe talent-wise I think he could be a really good option if they chose to go with
0: it. So what – I I just think you get something with both options, whether Justin Arns starts the game, you've got the shooter locked and loaded from the beginning, gets to space the floor, gets to stretch out the defense – Holman likes to use that word gravity when talking about Justin Arms, what he does on the floor. And then you've got the the new freshman who is just going to be ready to go, ready to make an impact. Or you can flip it in reverse, and you've got your sharpshooter coming off the bench. That is another thing for the opposing team to have to deal with five or six minutes into the ball game. And then, pow, like they fall asleep for a couple seconds, and this guy hits two 25-foot threes right on top of their head. So I just – I think – the options are there with that, but it's, it's going to be fun to watch the first few games as with any team to just get a feel for your roster and see how this thing goes. I, I do believe that it's going to be a team with a mentality coming off of the loss to Oral Roberts that wants to work, that wants to, to make that right. And I do believe that final four ceiling is in this team. It's oh, in that roster.
1: 100%. This is still they're a, already
0: dealing with injuries. And yeah. I think if they st- stay relatively healthy, Seth Towns is already an afterthought and that sucks. I wish it wasn't, yeah, that's but that's just the way it is. And Kyle Young, baby, stay healthy.
1: That's Let's all, go. It's all the best availabilities or best abilities availability, man. Um, I I think the one thing I don't I don't think at least people when they preview Ohio State really realizes if this gel is right from the start. I think how elite their outside shooting ability can be as a team, especially with Michi Johnson and his shot was really starting to come on late in that season. Yeah. Uh, Justice Suing. His yep. percentage from three is kind of a little bit down compared to what it seems like. He seems you know like he's he been working really well. at it. Works Kyle at Young it. was bringing that in. Kyle Young was looking really good at the end of the season. EJ Liddell had a very good three-point shooting season. Uh, Malachi. You, you mentioned Arns. I, I'm curious to see how Malachi is going to be in terms of his deep yeah. shooting. Cedric it, gets Cedric Cedric streaky. Hustle. That's what he does. He's streaky, but he's a guy that's going to average over 35%. For the season, if at least he starts in
0: jealous right from the start. And 35% will be threes, too. Maybe 45% of his shots, I mean, will be threes. And
1: uh, honestly, especially in this style, in this day and age of the game, you really need that. And I think if you want to make the run, you need guard play that can shoot from the perimeter.
0: All right, man, we got to get to our segment with the big daddy, Paul Keels. What did you like about? talking with Keels.
1: I I just love getting an insight on his way of prepping for this, this crazy stretch of the season that, that month of November and a little bit into December. It's absolutely insane how much he has to prepare. He's got games, bookending football or basketball games, bookending football games. And he's got to break down team rosters and stats and everything. I can't believe, and I can't even imagine how his daily life during that (laughs) stretch has to be.
0: Yeah. We, we have a lot of fun with Keels. So, The Buckeye basketball conversation, the preview of this 2021-22 season continues as we got to catch up with the play-by-play voice, the man, Paul Keels. All right, Evil, it's coming. As we sit here, we're recording on October 28th, 3.05 in the afternoon. Next Monday, it's going to be Buckeye basketball exhibition play, the lone exhibition game against Indianapolis, it's actually not one of these Ohio schools that we usually see. We go west to the border. We see Indy. Who else to uh, pick their brain and to have a conversation about Buckeye basketball than the man himself, the living legend, the voice, Paul Keels. And he is with us. I think this is the first time we've, we've had him on our basketball podcast here. I think so. In my mind, I think so.
2: You said living legend. I was trying to get out of the way for whoever was coming in here. What? Who's the, who, Who's out there? Yeah. Who's out there? I'm glad, I heard, to, glad to be part of it, fellas.
0: I heard Rex Kern on the radio today, but we'll take Paul. That's a living legend right that there. That is. That absolutely is. What season
2: are you going into for basketball? 24 for both football <laughs> and basketball. 24. And uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Tim Colin probably knows this, but my first season. Was the first year of the Value City Arena, and Ohio State was coming off a 20-loss season. It was Jim O'Brien's second year as head coach. They had a player debuting by the name of Scooney Penn, who had transferred and had to sit out the year before. Nobody expected anything, and they went to the Final Four. They were Big Ten co-champions. Of course, that's been since vacated, but an incredible season.
0: Scooney Penn and Michael Red. it's one of... Probably my earliest memory of Buckeye basketball is that team, and everything else beyond that has been going back and and learning and, wa- and watching the film and learning about those teams and what we had here before. But what a great backcourt! What a great team! CB, what do you when you think of Scooney Pen and Michael Red? What comes to mind?
1: Uh, honestly, I'm a little bit younger, so I'm thinking about the pro days. I'm I, at least with Michael Red. It's always with his time with the box.
0: Yeah, um, made a ton of money. Yeah,
1: that's pretty much when I remember him. But my dad was a big fan, and obviously he followed that. Uh, Final 14 that eventually got uh, vacated back in the 90s and talked all about Scooney Pen and Michael Red back in those days. So I can only imagine I can watch the highlights, but I was not there well, to actually he, witness here's it.
2: Here's the great thing about Michael Red: That was his sophomore year, his freshman year, which was a 20-loss season, but he led the Big Ten in scoring. And Scooney Penn, who came with Jim O'Brien from Boston College to Ohio State, when he got here, he wanted to wear number 11, which is what he wore at Boston College. And he went to the equipment manager at the time, Bryce Westfall, and asked if he could wear number 11. And this was before Ohio State started retiring numbers. And Wes told him, said, no, we don't give that number out. Why not? Well, it belonged to Jerry Lucas. And Scooney Penn, with a generation yep. gap, paused and said, ah, oh, he must have been pretty good. Then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what we're talking about, right? When you go back, you research these teams, you you know who the, uh, the guys in history were. Paul, you have you have gotten to see so many ups and downs in these 24 years with Buckeye basketball. And it's starting to uh, to reach a nice leveling off point where they are back pretty much ranked starting every season. You're on a nice little run here. Chris Holtman seems to have his program in a good place. We, all can, we could talk about losing to Oral Roberts all day long. It happened. No one wanted it to happen. It was a two versus 15. It's not the first, not going to be the last. But what do you... What do you see with Coach Holtman and just sort of the differences being here with Thad Mata, who is maybe the greatest coach in Big Ten history, not just here at Ohio State history, and and
2: how the Holtman is doing this, just sort of the things about him and the way he works? I think the similarities are stronger than the differences. And really what, what Chris has done, and it started with working with the players that he inherited. And he had benefit of Keita Batesy up his first year, who the previous year got hurt and took a medical red shirt. And if Kata doesn't get hurt, you never know. The coaching change might not even happen. But they benefit from that. They benefit from the work that Jay Sean Tate put in. And, and then what he's done is continue to recruit at a high level, continue to develop players at a high level, and, and really set a standard of a team that's going to compete all of the time. And that you know one of the things that both Chris and Thad, uh, that their team centered around was defense. That yeah. you had to earn your playing time with defense. And the defense oftentimes could create the offensive opportunity. So I think that that's one of the things they've done. And, and both of them have had to combat the Big Ten when they've been incredibly, incredibly talented teams. And we saw last year with Illinois and Iowa uh, you know, and Purdue that that's something that really for Ohio State to be able to continue to succeed, they're going to have to continue to play at the level of those schools.
1: Paul, whenever we bring you on, we always have to talk about your schedule during this time of year because it's incredible, but I think even more so this 2-week stretch we're going to have towards the beginning of the season where you have a game, uh the Gaff game on the road at Xavier, you'll go through that weekend and then the following week is obviously Thanksgiving week. You got the Fort Myers tip-off which you will actually not be a part of, and then you have that Michigan game that weekend, and then oh, you finish it off with Duke coming back on the Tuesday. Like mm. uh, can you think of a more crazier 2-week stretch in this little basketball football combination you've done there
2: there have been some uh there I think one year Colin I remember the week of the Michigan game there were basketball games at home on Monday Wednesday Friday uh there have been times where uh there's been Friday and Sunday games around home football Saturday games uh one that comes to mind was uh I think it was 2003 Um, after Ohio State played in Ann Arbor against Michigan, the very next day we had to fly all day to get to Maui for the Maui Classic. And this was when the Michigan football game was the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and the Maui Classic was Thanksgiving week. There have been some crazy ones like that. um, But it's just kind of when they decided to move the end of the regular season to the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and as football or excuse me, as basketball has started earlier, these kind of things happen. But that's why it's great to have a guy like Matt Andrews who will go and do the games in Fort Myers, the the Monday and Wednesday nights of Michigan Week. Um, you know, also a few years ago, Matt did the the Portland tournament, which was also the same type of week. So it, it's just something that continues to be a challenge, but it's a good thing. So when you you remember the trip to
0: Maui, what was that like? I'm just curious from. <laughs> Just a coverage standpoint and how they treated you, how the event organizers were out there. Just describe the Maui Invitational.
2: Well, it previously had been to the Rainbow Classic in Honolulu with the University of Cincinnati, I want to say two or three times. I think it was two times. So, had already had the experience of making that long trip. Uh, the Maui thing, it was, it was organized very well. It's kind of a high school type gym, but they've done a very good job with that. Once you get there and then immediately you're turning around and getting ready to play – um, and this was in the Ohio State team. Tim, you probably don't remember, and Colin, you may not either. They had, before going to Maui, they played the Friday night before the Michigan game. And before going to Maui, they played at the University of San Francisco. And in a okay. game that, that they kind of really got job by the officials, that's the game where Jim O'Brien got tossed out. Uh, when Coach O'Brien had had neck surgery and it affected his voice, he couldn't speak. And he couldn't get the officials' attention, and he wrote on a grease board, this is sad, and he got thrown out of the game. <laughs> you so, did tell me the
0: story once. So, they, that's good. so the Mauer thing
2: was interesting because their first game was against Villanova early in Jay Wright's tenure, and that's when Villanova had to stagger massive suspensions. Um, then also they played San Diego State where Gary Grant, the former Michigan guard, was an assistant coach. Uh, and then I believe it was Central Michigan when Chris Kamen was playing for the Chippewas was there, and Ohio State lost two of the three. Um, it's it's And Dayton actually was there, and Dayton won the tournament that year. Uh, they have done, the Maui Classic generally has done a very good job of getting good teams out there. Uh, as you can imagine, a lot of fan groups really want to travel. There were Ohio State alums who were there. I was fortunate because I have relatives who were born and raised in Maui, was able to spend some time with them there. Awesome. Um, so it's, it, it's one of those neat things. And hopefully, by the time it comes around next year, when Ohio State's going to go, they will be having it. In Maui, because last year they had it, I believe, in North Carolina. They're going to have it in Vegas this year because there's still restrictions. With
0: yeah, Hawaii. isn't that crazy? Like, we're we're getting back to everything. CB, I know you, we talk, we'll do a whole episode on holiday tournaments. Oh,
1: we did it last we're year. Cra- yeah, we we're crazy to. about them. Yes.
2: And the one that, that you wish would cut that I, because, and we did it in 2001. Ohio State played in the Great Alaska Shootout. And Ronnie Stokes oh, talks about when he yeah. played in that tournament. When he was a player at Ohio State, and another one that would get good teams. Uh, ESPN in its early years, that was a big TV piece for them to televise. And, and folks who were crazy about the sport, they'd love to stay up late at night. That was games they could listen to or watch. Uh, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, they started having trouble getting teams. to, uh, Alaska actually had had a second tournament. Uh, it was called the Top of the World. I think they, they played it in Fairbanks. But. Alaska was one similar to, to Maui that it was run very well. They had good representation, uh, and it's unfortunate not now with travel restrictions. You understand why those things have kind of been a little bumpy, but right. Hopefully, they come back.
0: Yeah, the, a, a great Alaskan man that was easily second in command to the Maui for the holiday tournaments, and it's like you said, the TV revenue comes in. And I uh, mean, evil. How many do we have in you know Puerto Rico, San Juan? Battle for Atlantis has sort of crept up there. Even just all around the the panhandle, there seems to be different events. In Charleston, South Carolina, they've got, they've got one, too. They're everywhere.
1: Yeah, they're everywhere, every single different level, mid-major, high-major, you name it. It's, it's jam-packed, and it's probably the best time of the year. It feels for a lot of people, I mean, as long as you are willing to accept that basketball starting at the same time as football is playing, that's one of the <laughs> biggest stretches of time where you get to really dive in and learn about these teams.
2: And the challenge for some of these teams, too, guys, is – now that so many schools have such a premium on having home games, and especially for the financial need, and that's one reason why. So when Thad Mata was a coach at Ohio State, he was very much against playing in many of these holiday tournaments because he had done it to Xavier and had seen when you come back from a long trip like that, your first, your next game is usually a challenge. Mm. It really is. And and now that the Big Ten and other conferences are playing conference games in uh, late November, early December, I think that's one of the challenges that these kind of tournaments are going to have to get teams to continue, especially big name teams to continue to play in them.
0: No, that's good to know, Paul. We got Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes. I, I did not really know that exact reason for Thad not wanting to play in those events. And there was that thing about how, you know, I think they were going into one of the NCAA tournaments where they actually got bumped out West. And that was the first time in maybe a decade span where they had played in the Pacific time zone. When I think it was when they were going into the Arizona game, if that sounds correctly, when they uh, they went out to LA and the sweet 16. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: And we had those stats and it was like, it's been such a long time since they've even played in the Pacific time zone. And I thought that was wild, but that's, that's interesting to know that that is the reason. Cause you think about the recruiting advantage of playing in that. I, I wonder what's your take on, are we doing too many, not just the holiday tournaments, but neutral site games. Like we've got the CBS sports classic, me as a basketball fan, I like to see home and homes. Like, I would love to see the Buckeyes. Well, I
1: think that's the good part about I'd the Gavit. I'd like to Gavit, see them go the to the Gavit. field
0: house, right? And then Kansas return the trip. You know what I mean? Right. But no, I completely, and we can
1: talk about this coming up, and that Xavier game is going to be awesome down mm-hmm. there in Cintas Center. But the Gavit games, the essence of you're playing like an ACC Big Ten challenge style where you're going and playing those home games you're getting those environments
2: yeah and I think and the great thing about the Gavit games and I can't remember for sure but I think it's kind of an every other year formula the big mm-hmm. if you remember when the the big 10 ACC challenge started Jim O'Brien when he was the co-chair he refused to participate in it because when he was at Boston College and the Big East had something similar, because of the unequal number of teams, there were schools that were left out. So uh, he held against it. And then Ohio State's first appearance was an alleged neutral side game against Duke in Greensboro, North Carolina. So it's good now that these Big Ten ACC games are home court games rather than, I don't know if any, I don't think any of them are done neutral site anymore. Same thing with the Gabbett games. But you do like the fact that if you can get some home and homes, like in, you know, over the last 24 years, we've yeah. seen Kansas come to Columbus. Uh, there have been, you know, other games. I, the, the fact that they got the Cincinnati series together was phenomenal. Yes, um, you know, but there have been others too where you, you've seen that, and so it's great that the. But you know, again, the challenge the schools face, like Ohio State, they need to get as home, many home games as possible, and. Uh, there's always talk about trying to do a holiday tournament here in the state of Ohio, with some mm-hmm. of the sc- which would be great. But again, schools need home games.
1: Which is ironic, and I think you could play along with that with how Indiana's doing it, because I think this is the last year of the Crossroads Classic. Then. Wow,
2: I didn't know yeah. that. Well, and, and the issue that comes up with an Ohio holiday tournament, which would be great, and you could have it at any number of places of Ohio... But if you're, the, the teams that most people would want to see would be Ohio State, Dayton, Cincinnati, and Xavier. Yes. The issue you have is that Cincinnati and Xavier play every year. Yep. So how do you work around that? Do you work without one of them every year or something like that? Um, but it would be a great thing. But that's where uh, sometimes this moving the football season late and now with conference championship games and football, it makes it harder to think about doing something like that because now when conferences are starting conference games in December, uh, it, it's kind of hard to win you're going to figure out to do something like that. It'd well, be great to see, yeah. but, but well, there's challenges. Do
0: you think they'd be cool, Cincy and Xavier now, picking up just an extra game against either Ohio State or Dayton. So that way they'd keep the crosstown shootout. Well, they'd have to. Yeah, because they're to. not giving that up. But
2: then you know, the other school, um, you know, because I know oftentimes Dayton and Xavier play one another. Dayton and Cincinnati play one another. Do you work in a Mac school? How do you make all of that happen? And the Mac schools oftentimes are playing one of the other three schools involved. So it gets to be a little bit of a challenge. It'd be nice to see if it happens. You know, years ago, there used to be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame shootout in Cleveland where Cincinnati was kind of a regular participant. I know Ohio State played in it at least one year. Cleveland State was in it at a certain time, you had Kentucky at a certain time too, but you know I think that's where football sometimes has become so powerful that it makes it a challenge
0: Colin, we got to ask him about this Buckeye team before we yeah, let him of go. I, I did, though. Uh, there's there's not much Chris Holtman's in in our system right now because a lot of our audio in our daily folders, the way we do our audio here at the fan, it gets rolled over. And Chris Holtman's got a press conference coming up on Friday, the 29th, to get ready for the season. So we'll have some. But this, this actually, it's funny you were just talking about the Cincinnati series. This is one of the last remaining Holtman clips that's in the dad right now. You will remember it. Right away.
2: Yes. Well, <laughs> this, I just, somebody just asked me if this was Paul Keels. Oh yeah. My uh, a, yeah, a he's, on the, he's on the air right now. A wonderful young lady came over, <laughs> and he is. This is Paul Keels. <laughs> it's been old home week here, Coach. I apologize, <laughs> we, I apologize been, uh, to Matt and really? yeah, Come yeah, back yeah. to your hometown. And Come on to over here. This. Shake oh, no, no. his hand. <laughs> he's okay. No. But uh, that's
0: OK. I know you're grinning, but that had to be such a fun well, trip down well, there. New the new the, arena and everything. A, there's a couple. Well,
2: not new arena. Re- renovated. Re, yeah. Renovated. Uh, my first year doing University of Cincinnati games was the first year that what was then called the Shoemaker Center opened. So I had a little history with that and that yep. being my hometown um, and saw a number of former Bearcat players that I'd known for years had done games. That they were playing. The woman that was standing there trying to get her attention, I didn't know till the next day. It was somebody I used to work with, and I did not recognize her. And she was coming over there. She worked in the arena. It was somebody at a radio station in Cincinnati I worked with. And it all night and the whole next morning, it just kept boggling me. Who is this person? Who is this person? And it was somebody that I should have known. So it, it was pretty hilarious.
1: Uh, one of the last questions I had to ask about your schedule and how it can be kind of a messed part of this season is the fact that you have to memorize all these different teams, the stats, and like get get all this information on these teams. And I'm looking at this one stretch where you'll have a game Friday. You got Niagara. You got the, Greg I, Pauls, I believe right? it's, is it the Purdue game that weekend? The 13th? I believe it's Purdue, yes. And then you, on that Monday after, you got the uh, first game of the Fort Myers tip-off, but that's at home versus Bowling Green. Like, how do you manage that?
2: Um, you really just kind of compress it day by day. So what will happen is, uh, so the Niagara game on Friday, um, I will try earlier that week to get most of all of the football stuff done. And then either Wednesday or Thursday, get started on some of the basketball stuff for the Friday game. So that when fr- when Thursday night or Friday morning gets here, that's all I'm thinking about. That's all I'm focusing on the same thing when you roll through all of that. So it's kind of, you, you organize it a little bit ahead of time, but you really take one day and it's all about one sport or the other, and just kind of keep that in front of you. Um, Funny story, Colin, out of that. Last year, when we were doing all these games remotely and we were doing these coaches' shows remotely, it was, I believe it was the week of maybe the next to last game of the season. And we're getting ready for one of the football games, and Ohio State's getting ready to host Nebraska in basketball. And Nebraska has a center, had a center. I don't know if he's still there. I haven't looked as far. Yvonne Woodra Ugo is his last mm. name. And I was focusing for a couple of days on trying to get Woodra Ugo in my mind and ready. Jim Jim Lachey started asking me how to pronounce the name of one of the football players. is it Jim, don't talk to me about that. Not today. I'm still working on Woodrow Ugo. So, yeah, you, you just have to kind of compartmentalize.
0: You will miss, and this is one of CB's favorite players in college basketball for Seton Hall. Uh, what was our big dude's name? Sandro uh, Sandro Oh yeah, I
2: remember yeah. watching some of those games last year.
1: <laughs> Mamakulashvili. graduated, so we won't see him this year. But
2: well, we you know there's been over the years you know Ernest and Ziggy from Minnesota <laughs> was a very difficult. Was uh, the Nebraska
1: guy that Thor? That's great. Bjorn- Thor Thor yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know Thor If he's, if he's yeah. still
2: playing, <laughs> um, I think yeah, he's there's, out. There's uh, there there's been a number of them over the years. There got, there was uh, years ago in the '80s uh, Maryland had a wide receiver. Uh, Azizadeen Abdur-Raouf, I think was what it was. Wow. And it was just a matter of trying to get that committed.
0: The, and, the and Rutgers the, kid is well, hard to pronounce too. What you
2: hope too is that the schools and the people provide you with the right information so you can get it. Rutgers has had a bunch of international names, so but you, know, you do what you can.
0: So last thing, Paul, when you look at the team, w- what do you like? Where do you see these guys going? Super seniors are everywhere. So we got veteran rosters. Health always is going to be a thing you look at, but EJ's back and you've got
2: a lot to to work with here, minus Dwayne Washington doing his thing for the Pacers now. One of the things to really like about this team is experience, not just having EJ Liddell, but Kyle Young. And, and we know the limitations that can happen with Kyle with some of the injuries he's gone through. The addition of Joey Brunk and Jamari Wheeler, I think can be huge for this basketball team. Joey Brunk is a low post player, which basically Ohio State did not have last year. Jamari Wheeler, who's given people fits defensively, He's a guy that can really be a big addition to this basketball team to the point where his offense could be bonus. Uh, certainly, Justice Suing, a second-year adjusting after coming for the back 12. Uh, Cedric Russell will be interesting to see if he can provide the kind of punch that people think he can off the bench. And, and really, the guy whose presence maybe people didn't realize was missed after he got hurt last year, Jimmy Sotos, as a backup point guard. He yeah. was playing very well in the game at Rutgers when he got hurt. Seeing Michi Johnson now with a full year and, and uh, really am hopeful that a guy like Seth Towns can bounce back from the back surgery and be able to give this team something. Because even not being probably even 80% last year, we saw some small doses in the Big Ten tournament of what he could give them. And then I think you certainly have to be and, and very curious and excited to see what Malachi Branham brings his basketball team.
0: Well, Buckeye basketball fans. CB, that was cool. I mean, you get, awesome. you get to work with them, not on the daily, but on... Every single... How's that been, Paul? How's our guy Colin doing? I think he's been one of the best hey, technical minds that we've had rolled through the fan. He
2: has a difficult job and he deals with difficult people. <laughs> myself included, but no, he's done a fantastic job. And hopefully there's been, it's been a little fun. No, that's the way, why too.
1: I, I love asking those questions about the congested part of the season, because I already see how it is in football and how busy he can be and just the process with it. And now you're adding a second sport and a second process to it. Like it, it's really amazing to see from the outside.
0: I got to tell you, there's nothing I enjoy more because sometimes we have these watch parties where I'll spend the first half of a game at Hollywood casino or someplace like that. Then I'll get in the car I'll get familiarized with what you guys are talking about on the broadcast. And back here at the station, we will have you guys on with the screen. And it's a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of what happens. And that's fine. That's okay. I like to hear the call and then see what comes up. There's nothing I enjoy more than the second half blowout banter. That's what I live for. <laughs> second half blowout banter Well, there's, with you and Jim.
2: In football or basketball? In football. In football. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. There's, there's time. Oh, it's you know, it, it, uh, it it's legendary. Let's just leave just it at that. The way you butter up Skip Mossick is maybe my favorite Well, thing. I
1: think it also matches in basketball when you're doing those Big Ten tournaments or those NCAA tournament kind of fillers before the game starts with See, Ron.
2: that's one of the things that gets to be interesting, and you yes. know this, Colin, is so when we come on the air sometimes in those games, and and really where it is, it's kind of a fun thing to do is in the Big Ten tournament. And it's so it's teams and players that you've seen where you have to pick up and do some of a game that's prior to Ohio State playing and the NCAA tournament it you know that's one of those where you try and eyeball the previous games just to get a little bit familiar but it's it's funny you bring that up Colin because we do get a lot of uh, feedback from folks like hey yeah we were glad to hear hear you doing part of that game. I know one year in Cleveland we did uh, I think it was George Mason and I'm, I forget who it was. We had to carry some of that. Uh, one year in the Big 10 tournament it was Penn State and Nebraska who went maybe to two overtimes but you just kind of have to be ready for
0: yeah, it. Yeah, you just kind of do what's in front of you. That is cool. That's the nice little, uh, you know, Paul Keel's, Ron Stokes bonus time when they're at <laughs> one of the tournaments and you, you catch an extra game. That really, like, makes your ears perk up. It tells you it's a special time of the year, right? You're like, oh, they're not even calling Buckeye basketball right now. Well, sometimes, too, because
2: it's a close game, and that's what makes it exciting, too. Yeah. Another it does. thing, and it's
0: a quick nugget, because I found this
1: in our system the other day, and it's very fitting because we talk about Shad Khan and whatnot with the, the Jaguars and everything going on. I found in the system when you guys were doing uh, I believe VCU in the NCAA E-le- tournament. E-le-
2: oh, I know where you're and
1: going. Ron Stokes says Shaka Khan instead, instead of-, of Shaka <laughs> Smart. Oh yeah. And somebody edited some Shaka Khan right underneath it. It's that somebody's hilarious.
2: name was Skip Mossick. With well, there there was another incident too. Uh a home game with Minnesota and Lenzel Smith was on fire. He was hitting three-pointers and Ron made a comment about how his stroke looked really good, and I made a reference to Stroking by Clarence Carter. And it just kind of left Ron speechless if you know the lyrics to the song. Oh, it's fantastic.
0: Paul (laughs) Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes, everybody, about to hit a quarter century doing this gig, rolling into another year on the call for Buckeye basketball. Thanks so much for. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Glad to be
2: involved in it. Thank you for the invitation.
0: All right, Evil. That was a lot of fun getting to catch up with Keels. We've got a few days here, and then we have an exhibition game. And then a week after that, college basketball's regular season is here. I think the Buckeyes play eight, maybe nine games in the month of November because they've got the the twofer at the Fort Myers tip off. How are you going to rest up and, and get ready? What are you going to be reading and <laughs> scanning the rest of the country for next week's episode? Um,
1: I, I personally want to get out, and uh, I need to get one of my magazines, whether it's Athlon or uh, Lindy's, it is one of those. And I, do love, down I do like of, them. All 358 possible teams. Uh, they, they break it down as much as you could possibly want if you're a junkie of the sport. Uh, yeah, I I really want to start learning a little bit more about the mid-majors. I, I think there's a lot of turnover in that department. Uh, I still think my Belmont Bruins are going to be pretty decent this year. Oh, A yeah. lot of uh unfortunate injury news coming out of the A-10, so we're going to have to see how that's going to shake out. I know Javante Perkins of St. Louis tore his ACL per uh, John Rostein, so he's going to miss the year. Uh, a lot of teams that I think that, You could look at in that mid-major slash teams you're not really having on the radar. Who's going to make a run? Who's going to be a team that's late in the season that has an undefeated record that you didn't see coming? There's just so many different storylines we don't know or at least we can predict yet and I can't wait to figure out what it's going to be.
0: Belmont Bruins, shout out Rick Bird. Yes. Favorite here on this podcast. Hope he's doing well in retirement. He deserves it. He was a legend there. All right, everybody. Thank you for checking out episode 51. Please Leave a comment. Give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying this and pass it along to your friends who are looking for some more, some more dudes just talking about college basketball because that's all we want to be. And uh, we can't wait for this season. Evil, thank you so much. Everybody, have a fantastic rest of your day or week, whatever it is. We'll see you on episode 52 next time.